1: Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, where Inside Carolina members get 10% off their everyday online orders. Get ready for another edition of Inside Carolina Radio. And I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. i got Buck Sanders and Mike Ingersoll here on a Friday afternoon. And Mike, I'll go ahead and start with you immediately. Camp opens August 2nd. Players arrive uh, for camp on August 1st, just as a former player. What is that like for you getting to camp, getting ready to get rolling?
0: Well, it was different as a senior coming into my senior year than it was any other year. Coming into freshman year it was, you know, wide eyed and kind of scared and not really knowing what I'm getting into. You know, you you did training camp all through high school, but it's just not the same it's not the same deal. You're not you're not in a dorm, you're not away from home, you're not with a group of people that you don't really know at all outside of summer workouts, but I mean even then during the summer, your freshman summer, you don't you don't you don't acclimate as much as people act like they do. You know, you're still creating friend groups and figuring out if you fit in with the upperclassmen and this, that and the other. So there's a social aspect to it and it's freshman year is really stressful. Senior year is kind of bittersweet. You're a little more jacked up for it because you know it's your last go round and you think back to all those other years that you despised camp and you had that pit in your stomach having to go back to training camp because you knew how hot it was going to be and you knew you were going to be tired every day and it seemed like it was going to last forever that's what sophomore and junior year feels like you kind of just don't want to deal with it senior year at least for me i mean i was soaking in every every minute of everything that i could because i knew i wasn't going to have it for much longer so it's it's interesting the way that it morphs and changes from year to year but um it's generally generally the the standing the standing understanding throughout the summer and throughout the year is that you know we just we don't talk about training camp it's just one of those things that we're not going to we're not going to we're not going to speak about it see no evil speak no evil that sort of thing
1: buck your take on the start of this camp i mean north carolina's had some success the last couple of years but you know this is one of those years where not many people are expecting much but you kind of feel like maybe they could have a really good season. Your take as Carolina goes into camp here starting next week.
2: Well, uh, you know, just to follow up on what Mike said, it's totally different if, you know, as you go into training camp. Basically, for most people, training camp starts on a high note. Everybody's jacked up. They're ready to go. They're ready to actually participate in some real football and they haven't had that for a long time at least since spring practice and for a lot of guys not even even longer than that so but as you get into training camp and Mike can probably speak to this maybe even to his senior year but as week two week three goes by you start to get into week four those guys are just sick of hitting each other know they they want to hit somebody else so it's a it's a dynamic that comes with fall camp that it begins with a lot of intensity and as time goes on you know the players just get more and more tired of it and then they want to get into actually hitting somebody else besides each other as far as this particular training camp goes obviously the the 800-pound gorilla in the room is how fast the offense can come together and particularly for the purposes of this podcast how quickly can the offensive line come together and those are going to be some questions that we're going to see as camp comes along who fits in where Uh, we have some pretty good ideas about that going into camp but there might still be a few unknowns really as you know the starting five that they're going to go into when they play California so it's always an interesting time of the year everybody's pumped about the start of it but then as time goes on that excitement at least from the perspective of the players from what I've seen begins to wane.
1: Mike you can comment on that but also I wanted to ask you about the how long does it take you to get back in the swing of things. Now, I know, as you said, as a senior, you're different. You've been around the block. As a freshman, you're wide-eyed and bushy-tailed or whatever you want to call it. But how long does it take to really get a lather going, especially on the offensive line or in the trenches?
0: Well, it's this year specifically is going to be interesting for the O-line. Carolina was very lucky for a number of years to have – uh, some consistency along the offensive line at least in key positions last year we had you know until uh caleb got hurt we had you know consistency throughout the interior you know rj prince came in and started and wasn't really expected to to start or contribute that much and he and he did and but he was there for the whole season he 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 never got hurt and he was there the whole time the tackle spots stayed stayed consistent you know then Again, there were, there were injuries here and there, and some guys were in and out. But for the most part, it was the same nucleus of guys. When I played, it was the same thing. We'd have the same basic offensive line configuration for at least two years in a row. And Travis Bond and Russell Bodine and those guys, they were all together for, for quite a number of years uh, in the same general configuration. So Carolina's been lucky having that. This is the first time in a while where we've got some brand-new pieces at some big spots we got dillard probably going to be the center for us um we got the grad transfer from usc we'll figure out where he fits in we've got tommy hatton back who should be contributing at one of the guard spots so we've got some new faces in some big big positions and we don't know how that's going to turn out it'll take them the bulk of training camp to get comfortable with each other and that's assuming we go in with the same starting or it's let me rephrase that that's assuming we come out of camp with the same starting five that we go into camp with. That's going to be the big determining factor because things happen in camp. Guys get hot, they get tired, they get hurt. And you know, you get You tend to get overworked in camp a little bit and, and people go down and also guys come in and, and they come in as a starter and then they up getting beat, at, beat out, you know, second or third week of camp. You don't know how that's going to play out. So assuming we've got the same five coming out that we have going in to camp here uh, next week, it's going to take them the full four to five weeks to really get comfortable with each other. And then it's going to take about two games. It's going to take the Cal game. and It's going to take the second game to really start humming along as a unit, assuming everything stays the way it is and we maintain the status quo and everybody stays healthy. So, you know, we've talked about O line chemistry a lot in this podcast and, People talk about it all the time historically with football. It's just it takes it takes time. It is it is the one position group where that chemistry is maybe the single most important piece to a football team's success. And unfortunately it does take some time, usually a lot longer than you want it to.
1: Buck, let me ask you about the chemistry question, and then Mike, you can comment as well. You've got Dillard and Rogers coming in. Rogers, the grad transfer from Southern California. How do those guys fit in? I mean, obviously, they expect Dillard to start. Rogers, I'm not 100% sure. We'll find out over these weeks. But, Buck, you've got guys that were there last year, played a lot, that may not play a lot this year if Dillard and Rogers come in and perform as a, a senior grad transfer type is expected to for North Carolina. Your take on that?
2: Well, you know, I, I think that may be a little bit, of an overstatement because I do think that Tommy Hatton who kind of started out on the right side in training camp last year and then they had to move him to the left side after Peterson got hurt you know he's played on both sides of the center from what I'm hearing right now he figures in on the right side next to uh, William Sweet that they'll that's going to be sort of a young side of the line and and those two guys And Mike and I and everybody else has talked about that. The communication between the guard and the tackle, whether it's the left side or the right side, is critical because they work as a tandem in in a lot of cases. And even on the interior, the guard in the center on one side and the guard in the center on the other side have to understand, particularly on inside zone plays and whatnot, Who's combo and who, and who's trying to get to the middle linebacker to make a, you know, to, uh, facilitate that inside zone play, which Larry Fedora relies on a great deal. So the, the communication between Tommy Hatton and William Sweet has got to develop cause Tommy really hadn't played on the right side yet. And, and the chemistry between whoever starts at the left guard and Bentley Spain also has to develop. I don't know that that's as much of a problem because you've got Bentley Spain at left tackle who has a tremendous amount of experience. So he'll be better able to tutor whoever starts at left guard, whether that's Rogers or Nick Polino or, you know, somebody else. He'll be able to better instruct that player than, say, would uh, you know, a redshirt freshman or a redshirt sophomore at left tackle. It's, uh, it's, it's going to be an interesting dynamic to see it play out in, in fall camp, and one of the things that we'll be very interested in is who are the, the starting five that trots out on the field on August 2nd, which is when we'll get to be able to observe fall camp, what five guys has cap chosen to walk out with the first team and we'll get to see that. But the communication factor, which we Mike has done a tremendous job of explaining both in uh, videos and on this podcast, how that communication transpires is, is one of the things that we'll be counting on to happen sooner rather than later as we go into this 2017 season.
1: Mike, Cam Dillard stepping in at center. Center is the most important position on the line, I would think, your opinion. But also, he's stepping in. He's not a guy that's kind of come up through the system at Carolina and and been under Coach Cap and been with these guys. He's here, and now he's going to be the starting center likely. Talk about that chemistry issue, if it is, and how tough it is for him as a player, you think, to come in and sort of blend in. But not just blend in; have to be a leader of that position group.
0: Well, everything I understand about Cam is it's a—he's an interesting cat. He came in uh, to college and he eloped with his wife, his current wife, after his freshman year or during his freshman year. Uh, they have a—they have a young baby. Um, they adopted a, a, a son and. He's been living a. He's he's been living the adult life now since he was 18 years old. He married with a kid in college, and uh, he started 20 games at an SEC school down at Florida. And he he by all accounts, everything I hear about him is he just sounds like a very mature, kind of more mature than he should be at this age, kind of guy. And I think that's going to translate well into a leadership position because he's 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 been there he's seen it you know I, I I see what he's done here and he's not he's not some guy who just never played at another school and transferred and he's looking for another opportunity you know he was he was the starting center at Florida and he decided to leave for what he felt was going to be a better situation for him and I put myself in that situation trying to figure out how I would approach that right and I think him being older And having the life experiences that he's had already, what with being married and having a kid and having started in a different, a major program coming in here, I think he's got everything he needs to just kind of roll right into that leadership spot. Now it is weird when you walk into a locker room, I imagine I never had to transfer. Um, But when you walk into another college football locker room and you've already got an established group of guys that, uh, you know, they, they do their own thing. They have their own little social group and, it's, it might be hard to infiltrate that, but I've been around Chapel Hill all summer, and I've seen these guys all hanging out, Dillard with them. And everything I see looks like a really tight-knit group. Um, I was out at a Durham Bulls game last week with my sister, who's been working over in student-athlete development, and they had some little promotion that some marketing class was going on here, selling Durham Bulls tickets, and a, you know basically every offensive lineman was there? Uh, they all bought one. They were all sitting in the same section we were, and they all looked like a really tight knit group. I, I just don't see much of a of a hiccup there, which is good uh, because your concerns are warranted. He's brand new. He's of a new face. He's he's from a different program, and you wonder how that's going to fit in. But everything I've seen and everything I've heard is that it's 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 meshing quite well, and I think his experience is an invaluable asset to the offensive line coming in because you know the whole focus of this podcast so far has been. We've got brand new pieces. We don't know where guys are really going to fit in and how they're going to fit in, but the one thing I think you can count on is you've got a by college football standards, a wily old veteran that's done this before and he's played on a big stage and he's played with big name players and against big name players and he's had pressure put on him and he knows how to handle all that and that's all that's all knowledge that he can pass on to some of these uh, to some of these other guys that are that are coming in and going to be expected to play big minutes this year that maybe necessarily weren't before. So it seems weird on the outside, but everything I've seen and heard seems like they're meshing quite well. And I think what he brings to the table is really going to help glue that offensive line together early. Uh, If we were going to get a graduate transfer lineman, I think we're in a really good position having our center being a guy like Cam Dillard with all his life experience.
1: Great points there. I mean, life outside of football certainly shapes life inside. Buck... Mike mentioned some of the younger guys. Who do you think young wise, we've talked about Sweet. I think everybody expects Sweet to be really good. Uh Paulino, Sweet, I'm i gonna tell you what, I
0: didn't mean to interrupt you there, but William Sweet is passing the look test right now too. That kid looks physically, he looks great. That's uh, he's he put on some real size here this off season. I think he's gonna be he's he's gonna be an all right player.
1: Well run with that. I mean, do you think he's gonna be the guy that really steps up? I mean, Spain's a given. Dillard, you hope, is a, a given. Beyond that, Hatton has shown – I mean, it's, it's sweet the guy that we'll be talking about um, as the leader of this bunch late in the season or, or going into next year, you think?
0: I think probably more so going into next year. Um, I think Williams probably got some more development to do, but that's just based on what I saw last year. I don't know what he's done this off season coming into training camp. We'll know more after the first scrimmage and after the first game. He had some technique things to work on uh, with his stance and with his punch, but he's got all the physical tools. And the number one thing that William Sweet has that I noticed just from having brief conversations with him is he's a sponge. I mean, he wants to learn and he wants to be good, and he's got a really positive attitude about all of it. He's not a guy who sits there and thinks he's got it all figured out once he has a little bit of success. And that sort of thing is unbelievably important for young offensive linemen uh, young players generally, but the offensive line, there's so much to learn. I mean, you have to have a brain that functions basically like a quarterback 2.0. You've got to be able to read coverages. You've got to be able to read defenses. You've got to be able to read cues in defensive linemen, but you got to you got to see the corners and you got to see all that. And then on top of that, you have to understand not just the physical cues that the defense has given you and the individual personnel, but you got to know the playbook on offense. And you have to know how to adjust – your responsibilities to every single play and every single defensive front you get, every blitz package you get, and that changes from week to week. There's so much swimming around in the head of an offensive lineman that if you sit there and get bogged down and start patting yourself on the back after having a little bit of success, you're, you're closing off a portion of your mind that's going to allow you to be successful moving forward. I know that because I did it to myself. William Sweet doesn't seem to be a guy That does that sort of thing. Everything I've, every interaction I've had with him, he's all ears. No matter who it is that's talking to him, he's very respectful, and he wants to be good. And that sort of thing, you can't coach that sort of thing. Um, When you've got physical tools like he has, really the only way you're going to get truly better is by wanting to get better. Uh, that kid has that, so uh, you know he's he's a real asset for us. Also, I think that leadership position is going to be something he grows into moving in more so to next season. Uh, this year, he's probably still going to be trying to get his footing a little bit, uh, just improving and improving week in week out. But going into next year, I would expect him to be be the guy for us. I think this year you're going to see Cam Cam and Bentley Spain sort of taking that over the leadership aspect for the offensive line,
1: but. Give me some names we haven't talked about uh, on the offensive line that you think will make some noise for this team. We've seen in the past you better have seven, eight, even nine guys that can play over the course of a season. So your take on who may surprise us that we haven't really expected to.
2: Before I I do that, I want to comment on William Sweet, which is John Heck as a redshirt freshman was terrible just on the look test watching him play. As a sophomore, he, he made a great leap forward. And, and I think we can expect a similar leap from William Sweet. So we'll just see how that plays out. But as far as names, we haven't talked about. A huge one is Charlie Heck, because he's almost literally the only experienced tackle on the team outside of Spain and Sweet. And Sweet is relatively inexperienced. So Heck is going to be a crucial component to this team because he's going to need to be able to shift into the left tackle or right tackle spot should either of those two players, you know, get an injury. Uh, that that's a huge thing, and I think it's critically important that Spain and William Sweet stay healthy this year. That they can't afford a lot of injury at the tackle spots. One of the Guys, we haven't mentioned is a guy that intrigues me, Jared Cohen, who is walking on to the team. A guy that had to fill in for Landon Turner when Turner was a junior, and I believe that's right. I believe Turner was a junior at the time, and Cohen was a true freshman. He was forced into action after Turner missed a game or maybe two. Uh, When Cohen was a true freshman, and I remember watching him particularly against Virginia, and I thought he played outstanding, particularly as a true freshman. We've already talked about the value of experience, but they were doing things with Cohen at that time that typically you don't do with a true freshman. They were pulling him from his guard position in some plays uh, against Virginia. So, you know, he's got a second chance. I think he had to get his mind right. I don't know exactly what was going on with him. He said in a recent interview that two years ago, he didn't think he was ever going to play college football again. And now he's back on the team as a walk-on. And based on what we've seen on Twitter and elsewhere, he's very into it. And the kid's got a ton of talent. He was a four-star recruit. Out of high school, so if if he can get his mind and body right for this coming up season, uh, he could be a huge asset to North Carolina, particularly if they have injuries at either left or right guard. Uh, We haven't talked a lot about Khalil Rogers. I I think he's his placement on this team is is a little hard to figure. I've heard he's competing at left guard with Nick Polino, and and I've heard other things. But he's certainly a big-bodied guy, somebody that you, you, one of those road graders that you like to have at the guard positions that can do some things athletically. So it, it remains to be determined where he fits in in this entire scheme. But certainly my choice for the guy to kind of keep an eye on, he played a little bit last year, but... Uh, hasn't played a ton is Charlie Heck because he's backing up, he's gonna back up left and right tackle. And if you get through a season with either one of those guys not missing a game, that you you've been incredibly lucky. So that kid needs to be ready to go and just slide into whatever spot he needs to slide in, uh, pretty quickly.
0: I think the Rogers kid from from Southern Cal, he's gonna be a lot like if you remember what we did with Greg Ellaby, right? Because Rodgers played defensive line and offensive line at Southern Cal, kind of in spot spot playing time for both. Greg was the same player for us, but he was so athletic that we could kind of just plug him in and go. We just had to teach him the basics of the offensive line. Uh, We actually saw that our senior year, the year that Greg got hurt, he started at guard and then also a few games later started a defensive tackle. So I think Rodgers might have some versatility that we're sort of overlooking right now. But again, you know, we're only overlooking it cuz we don't know where we're going to get from him. There's not a ton of there's not a huge body of work that he's put on film that you can really see what he does well and what he doesn't do well and make a determination on that, but he's he's an interesting he's a, he's an interesting component to this. I like that you brought up Cohen. Cohen really that whole story is just kind of wild. But you're right, I remember when he was a freshman like you do, and he was playing lights out, and then all of a sudden he wasn't on the team anymore, and I didn't know what was going on. The fact that he's back, and they've got him for, I mean, you want to think of it from business terms, He's got they got him for value. I mean, he's a walk-on, right? But he's, he should be a scholarship guy. You know, he's another one that I think is going if to, he's, if he's forced to, to, to play or beat somebody out in camp, I think we're in good hands with him. I think there's more depth on this offensive line than, than people may think, but it's understandable that there's some reservations because of how many new faces we got.
1: Mike, let me ask you, and Buck, I want you to follow. We talked a lot the other day with, I did with Greg Barnes and Jason Staples about the quarterback position, and the discussion was, is that the most important position on this offense for this offense to be successful? I would think that you, Mike, might differ in the opinion uh your take (laughs) on the importance that this offensive line gets it figured out
0: well i mean the offensive line is gonna be the single most important position this year because right now we've got nothing but new quarterbacks running running an offense that they're not entirely comfortable with we got the harris kid from lsu i mean he's brand new in this offense i mean most offenses are the same just the terminology changes but for a quarterback it's 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 not like it is for an offensive lineman. It's not just plug and play with a quarterback. I mean, he's gonna he needs time to develop and learn the playbook and and, and be able to run the offense. He also needs time in games and in the middle of plays to be able to run the offense and to do things because he's gonna be learning on the fly, assuming he's our starter. Same goes with Surratt or any of these other kids that we might have playing quarterback. We don't know what they know, and neither do they. So the only way they're going to be successful is if they're protected and if they've got time to do what they need to do to make the offense run. This sounds like generalities, right? I mean, you'd say about any quarterback in any offense in any year on any team. This team in particular, with going from the number two overall draft pick at quarterback, right, to somebody who's never run our offense before, if it's Harris, or some of these younger guys who, you know – Frankly, don't know anything either because you don't learn as much in practice as people want you to believe. We've got a brand new piece back there at the single most important position on any football team, quarterback. The only way that quarterback's going to be successful is if the offensive line's taking care of their business and keeping that guy off the ground and giving him the confidence, playing and play out, to go out there and be able to just take care of his job and not have to worry about whether or not he's going to end up on the the ground. So I think this year our offensive line – might end up being the single most integral part of that offense because the offense is going to go how the quarterback goes, and the quarterback's going to go how the offensive line goes this year, more so than in any other year. So I, that's that's that, that's my vote for this season. It, pay close attention to the O-line. How they're playing is how we're going to play.
1: I tend to go with that, Buck. Your take and your belief there. Well, I think the lead story
2: in all of this is the synergy between the quarterback, the new running backs, the new wide receivers, and the offensive line? Tight end, I think they're good, but that synergy has to come together quickly on offense because, in the run game, for example, or even in, the, in pass protection. It's not just about how the offensive line blocks in the run game, the tight end or whoever else you have, you know, in a seven man run game has to know their job in the passing game. You're going to need those running backs and those wide receivers knowing how and who to block and when it's not just on the, Offensive line to do pass protection because pass protection could break down at any particular point, whether it's a running back whiffing on a block or a wide receiver not getting a block on a bubble screen or you know in some other pattern. So I I, I don't think the story of this two thousand and seventeen offense hinges upon any one particular group. It hinges upon the synergy between the the quarterback, whoever that's going to be, and I think it's going to be Harris, the offensive line, how they come together, how well the running backs do in all of their assignments, not just carrying the rock, and how well the wide receivers do in knowing their responsibilities, both as pass receivers and as blockers on the outside. So I think it's that entire package that's really the story of the 2017 offense, not just the quarterback.
1: Good stuff Buck, good stuff Mike. It's always a pleasure to talk to you guys. I learn a lot and I know our listeners do and I know our listeners appreciate it. Thanks guys. Yep, thank you. Thanks Tommy. Thanks for listening to Inside Carolina Radio. Brought to you by JohnnyT-Shirt.com where Inside Carolina members get 10% off their everyday online orders. We'll talk to you again soon.